Hey folks, thanks for tuning in to the Banff Podcast. I am your host, Mike Lafferty, and here is our contractually obligated intro music. That assures you, gentle listener, that this is a high production values podcast. Uh, organic, artisanally handcrafted, uh, farm-to-table podcast, bringing you only a <laughs> sourced geeky, geeky conversation. Next time we do an anniversary show, we should get glow sticks for that. The glow sticks would be fun. I've been doing this for almost 10 years now. It's uh, ooh, it's a long time. Hey, um, let's introduce everybody um, because I always forget them because I'm an old man. Uh, Christopher McLaughlin is right over here. Multiple NINE winner, head of Ghost Show Press. Good to have you, sir. Thank you. Always fun. Yeah, pleasure to have you. Craig Campbell is down here in the uh, <laughs> corner of the Brady Bunch grid. Uh, Craig is the head of Nerdburger Games, and he produces a lot of fun RPG content, as well as being a uh, year the head of IGDN, right? Uh, I'm currently the president of the Indie Game Developer Network, yes. Okay, sweet, sweet. And last but not least, directly below me in the Brady Bunch grid is John Kennedy. John, I forgot the name of your company, sir. Please forgive me. Uh, Smug Pug Games. <laughs> that is such a cool name, too. That's that's really cool. Um, now, if I'm not mistaken, uh, Craig, I know for sure you were up for any for Good Strong Hands. I was up and, for two. Oh, yeah, you were a best family game and best... I can't remember. Sorry. Rules. Rules. Believe it or not. <laughs> cool. John, were you up for any this time? No. Uh, okay. Uh, nothing that I that I'd submitted have been accepted, but um, you know it's it, it's no, great. Our meetings is always fun, and you know about how long it's going to be to get everything back up and going. Oh, hang on. Uh, Sorry about that. Please continue. I'll put myself on mute. High production quality. <laughs> I wondered if some of you like attacked possibly by my little baby nephew over my shoulder. Um, Mike, Mike is really close to an air force base and he's got a, he's got a wireless thing going. So like he frequently gets, you know, it's like a spinal tap thing. He gets like the, the landing instructions on his headset. It's, we just, we're, we're used to it. Us long timers, you know, but, uh, but, but okay. For the, for the new people. Yes, yes, yes. Mike, 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 may, Mike may be possibly getting some refueling instructions there. <laughs> Always good. Remember when you're at Gen Con, refueling is very important. Yeah. But uh, no, um, the Indies is always a great time. I love catching up with people. And actually, um, I want to say the name of the game was Wander Home. They won for like best interior and best cover. And best I got family game. <laughs> but I got that, to, that's not surprising. <laughs> um, I got to um, stand next to a line in them to get into the innies. Um, and they were very nervous and um, they were super like just chill and glad to be there. Um, and um, I was like, oh, I, tell me about your game. And they just blew me away with what it sounded like. And on my phone during the ceremony, I'm just like occasionally looking down and be like, what is this game? And it's like, oh, this looks really cool. But um yeah, that's basically what my Indies experience was this year. But it's always great to just cheer on my friends and to catch up with people. But the funny thing about the Indies is that you go partially to like to hustle and find more jobs. But then you're also excited to see your friends you haven't seen in three years because there's been a pandemic. But you've only got like two minutes. So you've got to pretty much walk up to people and be like, hey, how are you? How are the kids? How's your parents? How's everything? Well, so good. Moving on to the next person. And it's very much like a just a, a <laughs> factory line. Um and you don't really get a whole lot of time to see everybody, but it, it, it for people who are wondering what the industry is like, you get to see us dressed at our best and very, very tired from being on the floor all day. <laughs> How did you guys um, find Gen Con after being away for two years? Was it uh, just 
you know, very crammed in and in, in terms of time frames and very hectic or was it like coming back home again? It was a little like coming back home again. Um, the from the looks of things, and I haven't seen actual numbers, but from the looks of things, it was lower um, attendance than it was back in 2019, but not by a great deal. Um, so like the, I, I, you know, I was in the dealer hall a great deal of the time. I was, I had a table at the Indie Game Developer Network booth, um, my own table. And so um, like the crowd in there was excited and having fun and they were there and everybody was checking stuff out. People were buying stuff and people walking around with bags and boxes. Um, and it just, it, it didn't feel quite as crowded as it has been in past years. So that's kind of where, that's what led me to think that it was, you know, busy, but not quite what it was before, which is not surprising, um, given the situation that we're in right now. So it's busier than it was last year, but not as much, you know, not what it was in 2019. Um, but it was, you know, it felt like Gen Con. Um, you know, I think if, if you had had a Gen Con in 2019 and then in 2020, everybody would have been in masks, that would have been weird because we were still kind of just getting used to the idea of everybody being in masks. But after enough people, like you've spent enough time dealing, you know, just being at group things and, and just knowing that, okay, this is just kind of something that we do now. Um, you know, I didn't even really think about it a great deal. Like I had my mask on after I had it on for about an hour. I never really even thought about it. I never really thought about the fact that other people were masked other than when I tried to recognize people that I knew, <laughs> including John. John came up and started talking to me and I was like, who am I talking to? Because, you know, if somebody, if, you know, I haven't seen people in a couple of years. So like you got a new hairstyle or you lost or gained weight or you, I forgot what kind of clothes you wear or you changed your style. And then on top of it, you have a mask on and now you have glasses or you don't like it just after all, all that time, like I'm trying to identify people from just this. For, for for people that you know maybe you know things have changed for them over the years um that i i was constantly having to remind people who i was and constantly having to say you know kind of look at people quizzically <laughs> until they reintroduce themselves even people that i had spoken to and who had a distinctive voice um like a week earlier there was like somebody that i i chatted with online and then he was at the convention walked up to me and started talking and then got like two minutes in i was like oh by the way it's josh and then I was, oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> I just didn't catch it. I mean, it, it. Oh, go ahead. No, go ahead, John, please. Uh, it was the same thing for me where um, I, I work in a museum, so I see a lot of people every day. And um, for me, it's with, with all due respect to some of my colleagues, when I can only see from like here to here usually, um, for me, it's usually like, okay, um, you, you look familiar. Are you Tristan or are you Josh? And I'll be like, no, I'm Dave. Oh, Dave, of course. And also, I just, I'm really bad at names anyways. And my biggest fear is being caught in a, like a situation where it's like, oh, but you didn't introduce me to your friend. And I don't want to bluntly say, because I forgot their name. Hey, can you, we're friends for what, 10 years? What's your name again? Um, <laughs> but um, it was, it, I don't know if it's just because I'm not like, I don't attend that many big cons anymore. But it felt more crowded than ever, even though I know that attendance was down. Um, and that might just be me, where um, I don't normally go into a, a vendor hall of, um, God, I don't know how many people are in there on an average hour. Um, I'm going to say 5,000, and people in the audience can prove me wrong. Um, but it's, it was weird getting used to the, the shuffle, where you're just slowly moving up and down hallways. Um, and I kind of liked it last year with wasn't as many people because I loved how big the exhibition hall was. 
but with like half the number of people in there. Because I just love being able to just slowly walk down a hallway, checking out what I want, not worried about getting hit from all corners by my only big complaint, which was those bags of holding. Um, uh, what but, were uh, the bags of holding? I hadn't heard about this. So this is a me thing. And to the people who make the bags of holdings, who are a lovely company, and I presume lovely people, um, they are these um, really, they're, they're wonderfully made. They're gray bags. You can wear them on your chest or over your shoulder. They're expandable loot bags for board games. And oh, there's a okay. booth selling them there for really cheap. I want to say like 40 or 50 bucks for something that was essentially, it could unfold into a large backpack. Um and the reason I hate them, even though I've just said a bunch of wonderful things, is because um, a lot of the people who would be wearing them wouldn't be the most careful about where they were swinging them. Like, there would be someone who, like, I got hit twice by one, um, and I saw a kid get hit in the face with one. People would put, like, 20 pounds of board games into these bags and then sling it over their shoulder in the middle of a crowded hallway and just bonk people in the face. And uh, that's, you know, that's a lot of weight. These are heavy board games. And I get yeah. that's not the company's fault. Um, it was just more of the fact that so many people would walk around and also doing like a quick turn with one of those. And I saw someone, this woman, like um, I think she was an elf cosplay, just get like slammed in the midsection because someone turned suddenly in the middle of a hallway and this big honking huge bag just slammed into her. Um, but honestly, if that's my biggest complaint about the con and that kind of is the biggest complaint other than the heat, um, which, you know, th that's nothing. And um, these bags are yet another human invention, most likely to be purchased by the last people on earth who should ever have them. Probably, yeah. yeah. Well, I, I imagine that it's a lot of it falls to the fact that if you're not used to carrying around a big fat backpack or bag, you just don't think about how much space you take up. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of spatial um, awareness. So if you're just, just if you're just yeah. not aware, like yeah. you're just not thinking about it. Like I, I don't normally carry this giant two foot by two foot by two foot cube on a strap, um, but today I am. <laughs> well, that in addition to working in very crowded places, with no one's done that in the last two years, so yeah, it'd be a bad combination. How'd you guys? You guys didn't catch the bug, did you? Nope. No. Okay. That's I... No COVID. No. No COVID. No con crud. No nothing. I oh, got wow. con crud. But I didn't get COVID. <laughs> I had a very good RPG writer friend, um, and he was uh, Sean Noakes. He wrote the after for me for Savage Worlds, and he's a big extrovert. Loves being in crowds of people. Loves running games. Loves going to Gen Con. Hasn't been in two years, and he was really bummed because he went this year and got sick as a dog like immediately afterwards. Aww, laid up for seven days. But yeah, I guess you, uh, you know, there's a certain element of uh, you buy your ticket and take your chances these days when you go to big gatherings. So. It's like I totally respect people who say they're not ready to come back to Gen Con for fear of COVID because I had COVID before the vaccines and it was one of the worst diseases I've ever had. And um, I, I, I'm vaccinated and boosted, but I still don't wish that on anybody. And um, for me, like even Con Crud, like I was very, very whiny. <laughs> like I have a sore throat and a runny nose. Oh, this is the worst. And, you know, I have friends who are like, yeah, um, I don't know. I've got chronic diseases, man. I'm sorry you have a sore throat. But um, it was just one of those things where I went to the con and I have allergies because it was an allergy season in Indiana. And I would test, I think I tested like every other day just because it's like, okay, it's runny nose time. I'm sure it's allergies and no one can catch my allergies, but I don't want to be that person. So every morning I'd get up, I'd do the test and I would jump in the shower and then 
if it, obviously it was negative, and then I went to the con. Cool, cool. Yeah, having lived there for 20 years, I can tell you almost every time is allergy time in Indiana. Yeah. It's not very selective. So um, what was the highlight of the con for you guys? What was the, the big takeaway? Um, I don't know that I had one big highlight. I, I was kind of in a weird place. This was, this was my first year essentially treating this like a business trip. Um, pretty much everything I was doing was kind of business oriented. Um, so I was fairly laser focused on um, doing the booth, um, doing my tape, you know, being at my table and, and doing the hustle. Um, and then also I had a handful of people with me who were running games and, and helping out at the booth and, um, and, uh, you know, helping to make breakfast in the morning for everybody. We all got it. The whole team got an Airbnb and we had like a whole little communal thing every morning. It was very nice. Um, and so I was just kind of focused also on making sure that they were all doing everything they needed to do, but also having a good time and enjoying, you know, everything that was going on and making sure that the Airbnb experience was going well and like, you know, ensuring that they want to do this again for me and with me next year. Um, and then I sprinkled in a little bit of networking and a little bit of chit chat and a little bit of getting dinner with people and the NEs, um, and then running into Matthew Lillard out of nowhere, um, after the NEs was over. Oh, you should share that story. I mean, if you can, <laughs> that's an awesome story. Um, we're leaving the Annie's, me and Shireen and Chris, um, people on my team. And Shireen um, was using a mobility scooter at the convention and it comes apart. So we got the, the lift and we were just he heading back to the Airbnb. We got the lift there and we're trying to get the, the pieces of the scooter into the trunk. And it's kind of a small trunk. We're having a tough time of it. And suddenly out of nowhere comes a voice. Um, attached to a, uh, a tall, well, well-built person um, who says, let me give you a hand with that. I am very strong. And those are the exact words because I asked Shireen to repeat for me what he said. Um, and then the driver comes around and between the two of them, they get everything put in there. And I'm, I'm like halfway through this, I realize, oh, that's Matthew Lillard. That's the guy. Um, and he's there with his Beetle and Grimm hat on. And um, I ask him real quick to take a photo with Shireen. And uh, and then he goes off on his own. And at the same time, somebody from the crowd's like, hey, hey Matt, I see uh, there's a kitten up a tree over here. And like, they're all kind of giving him a thing about it. Um, and we get in the car and we start driving and we kind of realize partway back that Shireen, it was dark and Shireen didn't really recognize who that was. And I sent the photo to her um, on the phone and she was like, and she you know, kind of flipped out and we all had a good chuckle and we just basically talked about that all the way home. Um, no, he because, is best known like, as... It was, he, was, he, was, he, he was in, he did a, a super helpful thing, and he was out with one picture. And like it was dark, and we didn't all recognize him right away. Kind of like getting rescued by helicopter by Harrison Ford when you get lost in Montana. Yeah. So uh, I, I know him best as Scooby-Doo, as Shaggy in the Scooby-Doo live action yep. movies. Uh, what else has he been in? Uh, he was Stu, one of the... One of the kids in Scream, he has probably he's probably the funniest character in Scream. Um, and Hackers. Uh, what? He was serial killer in Hackers. He was serial killer in Hackers. Um, he was he was uh, the the main character I, whose name I don't recall in SLC Punk. He's been he's been in all sorts of things kind of all over the place. Um, and uh, you know, into into this day, he's still even though the, the the two movies are in the in the past, he's still the voice of Shaggy. 
on the cartoons for, for years now. Yeah, after Casey Kasem retired, I want to say 2009. Well, that's, that is awesome. Um, Chris? I was even reanimating his head. So. Uh, what? Well, Casey's done, no longer with us. So, you know, they had to reanimate his head for a while because he could keep their new voice. And it was cheaper to hire Matthew Lillard. So. <laughs> did, did you want to, while we're telling Gen Con um, celebrity stories, is this a good spot for your Warwick Davis story? <laughs> all right. Okay. All right. Okay. Go, go to the bullpen here. Okay. All right. So um, there was a an wonderfully odd period uh, in the late oddies when there was a thought that they would move Gen Con more in the direction of being more like Dragon Con, where there would be more of a media presence to it. So they would be this really wonderfully random selection of nerd liberties there. And, uh, you know, there, there were great stories attached to all of them. I mean, you know, getting, uh, you know, I, I, I got to hang out a bar with Fred the Hammer Williamson, you know, and a guy who's an NFL legend and a movie legend and whatnot. And, uh, but the most memorable brush with celebrity that I ever had um, uh, me and my uh, lifelong friend, Hal Mangold, we drew the short straw, the worst do you get at Gen Con Sunday opening. And to, 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 to the muggles, you know, having to be someplace at 10 o'clock on a Sunday may seem like a bit of a vacation, but it's Gen Con. And our Saturday night had ended at like 5 a.m. So the 10 a.m. open. That's rough. Okay. So we're basically two ambulatory corpses moving because of coffee. And it just so happened the, 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 the company I will not name that I was associated with at the time, our booth was across the aisle from the celebrity autograph area. It was like, you know, so, and um, we were there bleary at 10 a.m. Sunday, Sunday a.m. opening. And I just, my eyes focused long enough to see who was supposed to be across from me signing. And it was Warwick Davis. And of course, you know, dude has Star Wars craze, get Harry Potter cred. And he had a line, you know, like from the moment it opened, there was a line. And uh, we're just sitting there. We got nothing better to do than to watch the minutes drag by. And it's like 10.05, Warwick Davis, 10.10, Warwick Davis, 10.15, he's not there. 10.20, Warwick Davis. So, you know, you know you, you've had a good long night and a, and a terribly short morning and things pop into your head. So I elbowed Hal Mangold and I said, I'm giving him till 10.30. If he's not there then, I'm going and I'm taking his seat and I'm going to start signing. <laughs> and he says, the gamers will never fall for that. And I go, yes, they will. Cause they're good, noble and awkward people. The worst that's going to happen is somebody's going to look at me and go, you know, in, in, in the movies, you seem a lot. What, what do I seem in the movie? <laughs> Shorter. Oh, okay. I get that all the time. It, it's a it's a camera thing, you know. It, it's like all celebrities look shorter on camera. Like Tom Cruise, six nine in real life, <laughs> and just see how many autographs I could sign. Ten twenty nine, and th okay, this is one of the things that kind of redefined my view of celebrities. Ten twenty nine, Warwick Davis and his entourage roll in. And I tell you, I have never looked at life the same way again, knowing that Warwick Davis has a posse. There's a Warwick Davis running crew. 
And <laughs> it takes me like a half a second to realize why he has handlers and helpers because they are carrying his nearly unconscious ass to the signing. Yikes. They have to prop him up in the chair and he's signing stuff by, they can get him to shift his weight forward to drag the pen across the photo. There is, there has to be like a hundred people from that Gen Con. They have a picture of like Willow with just a black mark across his face. And you know they're they're fans. They're sweet. They're supportive. Like 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 Mr. Davis. I really liked you, Return of the Jedi. And he's like, Fox. <laughs> and from that moment on, okay, you know we have like a realistic bucket list. You know, like like you know, like 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 run a half marathon. We have a unrealistic bucket list. Like you know, go to Mars someday. On my unrealistic bucket list, I want to party with Warwick Davis <laughs> because clearly. There ain't no party like a Warwick Davis party because a Warwick Davis party don't stop. <laughs> not, not all Saturday night at Gen Con anyway. Do, that's do, not, that's do, not the only story I've heard about uh, about a celebrity yeah. showing up at a convention still kind of hammered from the night before. That yeah, that that happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just yeah, yeah I wouldn't necessarily think Warwick Davis. But, but, such, but, he's such a nice guy. Yeah. Everything I've ever seen, he's like super nice and sweet, and he loves the fans, and then he just shows yeah. up. Yeah, had a good night. Yeah, and it's never, <laughs> it's never who you think. It's never who you think. Like the year that Lee Majors was there. Okay, no offense to Lee Majors. I'm sure he's a delightful man, but you know, he, the man's on vacation. I was totally prepared at some point, you know, to see him hanging off the back of the car, going like, "I'm the fucking six million dollar man." Woo! <laughs> Didn't happen. Was a little disappointed, but of all the people you would expect would come in, tore up for a signing, Warwick Davis. That can't even be in your top thirty. But the dude goes hard. I, I, I think Jen, Davis. I think Chris has a Gen Con story to beat on this podcast. So we'll uh, put that in the record books and see if they have top you. So, uh, Hey, we're heading towards uh, we got about 10 minutes left in the show. Mr. Craig Campbell. Yeah. You are a fan of a show that's very near and dear to my heart. I know it's dear to Chris's uh -huh. heart as well. Um, Rick and Morty. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm a fan. I like the show. I think it's incredibly clever. Um, there's some really toxic, horrible Rick a-hole stuff, but, you know, set that aside. And um, it does some really interesting things where, uh, you know, commentary on uh, storytelling and science fiction tropes. And, you know, it gets, it gets very meta and even gets meta unto itself at times. And so, so I made a game where you kind of play in that universe or a universe like that one, you know, an alternate universe, not the Rick and Marty multiverse, but like a multi, a multiverse. That's just a little different. Tell us about the game. Uh, what kind of uh, system are you using? Oh, it's, it's, uh, not terribly different from some of the stuff that I've done with these little zine games before where, um, it's just a, it's a D six rolling kind of thing. You can earn additional dice. You're shooting for a target number. Um, your target number is lower for the skills that you're good at. It's higher for anything else. Um, and depending on the type of character you're playing, you have different, uh, you know, good skills that you're working with. Um, you can play like the doofus or the know-it-all or the joyrider. They're all, all the, all the character types are kind of modeled loosely on, uh, major characters from the show. Um, all right. So the doofus is Jerry. The joyrider, is that Morty? Uh, Morty is the innocent. The joyrider is Summer. The Summer is always just super chill and along for the fun ride. <laughs> 
Uh, who, who's uh, who would Beth be? Uh, she's the Rock. That makes sense. Um, and then there's the sidekick, and then there's the other the other person. Who? Okay, so Jerry Doofus, the other person would be like uh, the cat girl I run into on Purge Planet. It would be any of many different monsters or robots or anything like that. And then the, the sidekick is loosely based on Bird Person. Oh. Uh, Phoenix Person now, but yeah. Yes, that's true. Yeah. Well, I've created a little tiny URL because I am a professional and conscientious <laughs> podcast host. For anyone who's listening and, and not viewing our handsome faces, you can check out Craig's Kickstarter, but move fast because it's got five days left, four days left, according four. to Kickstarter. Yeah, it wraps up on Tuesday. Tuesday. And I, I just backed, and I'm cool, and you want to be cool, don't you? So you should back this Kickstarter, <laughs> too. Uh, tinyurl.com slash ID for interdimensional shenanigans. <laughs> Or you can search for interdimensional, interdimensional shit. I'm not even drinking tonight. Good God. Interdimensional shenanigans on Kickstarter. Oh, oh, don't even tell me about typing. When I chose that name and then I had to type it over and over in promotional stuff, in the game multiple times, on the, you know, on the cover and making sure I don't misspell it on the cover. Oh, it's been hell. How many times <laughs> did you wish you just called it Green Portals? Uh, yeah, a lot, a lot, a really okay. lot. <laughs> But I gotta um, let me shift over our stuff and hide that. Let's look at the, your art. Does a really good job of kind of evoking the feel of the series without being close enough to get you sued. Yeah, that was the goal. <laughs> <laughs> this looks like a lot of fun, and uh, I just backed, so I'll probably we do a regular uh, we do a regular Monday lunchtime beat 'em up because that's how we roll here in the band podcast. I will try to work this into rotation because this looks like a lot of fun. Um, is this kind of one shots uh, at the sweet spot for this, or is it short campaigns, or how do, how do it's, you? It's built primarily for one shots, um, mm -hmm. but it does have um, a section on every character sheet down at the bottom is lessons learned because sometimes in Rick and Morty, the characters actually learn something and it comes to bear um, later in the story. So, like, if you learn a lesson during the course of one story down the road, um, if you're playing with that character again, you can invoke that lesson learned to gain a bonus one time. So you can actually carry some of that knowledge forward and use it mechanically. It is a nice bit of emulation because uh, Rick and Morty, despite being kind of a show with a lot of dick jokes on Adult Swim, <laughs> they do have a fair amount of character development. So that is really cool. Um, so this is part of Zine Quest 4. How has yep. Quest 4 been for you? Because it was kind of weird the way they changed the date around, right? Yeah, they moved it to August. Bright idea on their part. Um, I don't think it's doing as well as it did last year when it was in February. Because um, mm -hmm. I don't I don't know about you, Mike, uh, Professor John, anybody chime in. Like, last year, February, when ZineQuest 3 happened, that's all anybody was talking about in my RPG feeds. That's all anybody was talking about. And I have barely seen mention of it this year um, because I think they moved it and that caused them to split the zine groups because a bunch of people did zine month, Zemo, Z-I-M-O, that they kind of, people that wanted to do it in February got together and they put together a website and they set this whole thing up and they did a whole bunch of zines in February. And so everybody else is doing stuff now and it's just coming off of gen con so everybody like anybody that went to gen con they just spent a whole ton of money um other people are spending money getting ready for fall kids going back to school so you know school supplies all that kind of stuff it's just i don't know i think it was a bad move and they've already told us that it's going to be in february again next year 
I think they, Kickstarter has recognized that they screwed up. This was a bad time to have scene quests. Yeah. And, ahead, and like, I, I get why they tried to do the move. Um, like, I get the, as it was explained to me. But um, like Craig said, like, the fall is really rough on a lot of people's budgets because obviously certain things, you know, are, you know, um, aren't essentials. Like me going to Gen Con and buying a whole bunch of pins and board games. That's not, it's essential for my mental health, not essential for my physical health. But it's it's the thing we like to do. It's fun. I mean, as both a fan and as a game designer, I mean, Gen Con, it just hits that moment where it's like, okay, kids are going back to school in the fall, but it's also Gen Con. I'm going to budget for this. And then when you move things like Zine Quest to be closer to this date, it really throws things just out of whack because for a lot of us, we're really good at budgeting. I know there's this myth that gamers uh, must be inherently bad at keeping a budget, but anybody who's ever kept any kind of inventory for a D&D character has to get really good at budgeting real quick. <laughs> and um, it's just one of those things where it's like, okay, nope, um, Gen Con is coming beginning of August, and then kids are going to go back to school. If I just keep some money in like, you know, May, June, July, I could put it towards this, and then I'm going to be really, I'm going to have light expenses in September and October, and then things fall to the wayside because I've run Kickstarters um or plan to run kickstarters and then major events will move um or i'll be like oh like the year that gen con was in september and then i, I had a kickstarter going on at the same time and that was really really rough because it was it was september and um it, it yeah it's it's really complicated with just moving things around and I, I totally understand trying to find like the right perfect date and sometimes Sometimes you stick with February and sometimes you try something new. And in this case, trying something new didn't really pay off as well. Well, it's kind of a double whammy for promotion right now. Cause I mean, Gen Con just happened. Everyone had the news there, spent all their money there. And all of a sudden, no, oh, wait, there's that big announcement from wizards like a day or two ago. That's kind of sucks all the air out of the uh, social media sphere for RPGs. So I saw it coming. I think there's a, a key miscalculation that works into this too now thinking about it was the difference that i see between zine quest now is that when i do see somebody talking about backing something they're talking about oh i backed this scene or i backed that scene or maybe two last year february when people talked about backing stuff they talked about dropping money into 10 12 15 20 zines like they had the money at that time i'm gonna back a whole bunch and that made zine quest huge because not because more people backed but because a lot of people backed more um, well, and I so even so. though, even with people who are willing to back a little bit now, they're not dropping in for 15 different zines this month where they're maybe just doing a few because they've otherwise spent a bunch of money. You know, February, I think about it. That's when you're four to five paychecks away from Christmas. So maybe that's when the bank account started to build up a little bit. So especially if your pledges aren't coming due until the end of February. So no, well. Sorry, I, I'm here. Look at me doing speculative uh, accounting in my head <laughs> for the viewing public. This is the well, kind of quality content you turn into BAMP for. So. I'm, I'm doing that kind of crap with Kickstarter all the time. Like every time I run a Kickstarter, I'm trying to figure out why did it perform the way it performed? And the, the fact of the matter is most of the time it's chaos. Yeah. There's, you, you, it's really hard to just to pin anything like that down. Any kind of predicting public behavior. When I used to do comedy club work, I did stand up briefly 20 years ago. Um, some nights, for reasons you couldn't tell or figure out, the club was just packed and everybody was happy and having a good time and laughing at stupid jokes that were dying last week. And you have no idea why, except that, you know, once or twice a year, there's a magical weekend where everyone gets paid at once. 
because you know people on government checks or people get paid by the military get paid once a month then you get you know some people this two weeks some people that two weeks but every once in a while the stars align everyone gets paid on the same friday and um you know it's just chaos you, you only notice if you're in a service industry situation like that but uh, yeah sometimes it's feast, sometimes it's famine but um guys it has been a pleasure talking to you chris thank you so much for coming and telling us the work davis, davis story <laughs> always a pleasure sir um craig Kickstarter once again tinyurl.com slash id shenanigans four days back it if you're cool you you are cool aren't you and you can find craig on twitter at uh at nerdburger craig craig and john where can we find you uh at jk myth on twitter okay and your company uh smug pug games okay and that is on twitter as well or used to be we got rid of it just because i was only really updating from my personal account and I'm the worst at remembering to update from all the myriad accounts. And was like, no, it's JK Myth. That's I should have just named the company JK Myth when I thought about it. But it's JK kind of Myth it. Games, not the worst name. I've seen a lot worse. So that's pretty cool. Well, hey guys, let me play our contractually uh, mandated outro music. One Ooh, that's enough of that. Uh, folks, you've been listening to the audio spectacular that is the BAMP podcast. Thank you very much for checking us out on your Friday night, and we'll catch you next time.